All right, hi there, everybody. Happy New Year. It's 2024. I'm Jason Cusick. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. I want to say hi to everybody at our Torrance campus. When I say Torrance campus, everybody over there is cheering right now. Uh, great that we can be together like this. If you are new with us, I want to say a special welcome to you. Maybe you started um, attending because you came to our Christmas Eve service. Uh, maybe you've been away for church, from church for a while and now you've started attending again. Or this might be your first time attending church uh, ever. And if that's you, I just want to say a special welcome to you. We try to have a, a church experience that is uh, conversational, that is understandable, that's practical. Our goal is to help us all move forward in the spiritual life. And that's what we do here every Sunday. So it's great that you're here. You know, we're here in 2024 in the beginning of the year. And this is normally a time where we're anticipating what's gonna be happening, looking forward, saying, how can I move forward? Sometimes there's barriers to us moving forward. When we look out there, we go, here's some challenges I expect, or here's what's gonna make it difficult for me to move forward into the new year. I was thinking about this, because uh, at my house a while back, we were like doing some renovations and some changes, and one of the things we were gonna do is we were changing all the doorknobs in the house to like door handles instead. And so I, I, I'm really technologically challenged. I don't trust myself with that kind of stuff, even just changing out doorknobs. So I got this other guy to come in and I was like, hey, could you come in and just change all the doorknobs to door handles? He was like, no problem, I'll do it all in one day. I came toward the end of the day, he was just finishing up. We were sitting down in, in front of my bedroom door and we're having this conversation. He's telling me some of the challenges that he's having in life, some of the obstacles that he's facing. Uh, the difficulties he's going through. It was a great conversation. At the end, he goes, I'm done. I fix all the doors. Here you go. I, we look over, and he had put the uh, door handle on wrong. It was facing in, and I was like, that's going to be hard. To, you, you've got it upside down. The door handle's upside down. It's going to make it a bit of a challenge to get in there. Uh, we laughed about it. He ended up changing it. It's fine. And, and, but it it made me think about some of the uh, ways that it's sometimes difficult to move forward because there's something that's not the, the right way. Um, here's a question for you. Uh, what's the best way to enter the 2024 year? And I'm asking that question because each one of us is faced with some challenges. If we look into the year, there's gonna be things that are upside down. They're not right side up. Um, things that we may or may not be able to have much control over. For example, 2024 is a political year. There's a lot that's gonna be going on, a lot of argumenting, a lot of debating, a lot of information going back and forth, and at least half of us will be disappointed with what happens this year, right? So I mean, there's gonna be challenges. Uh, are we prepared for those going in? There's relationship challenges. Some of us are going into relationships, we're coming out of relationships, or we're in a relationship, either a romantic relationship, uh, parent-student uh, relationship, business relationship, where we need to kind of reboot it or revise it, or we need to work on it, it get, needs to get better. We're all dealing with money challenges, whether or not you have a lot of money or a little bit of money. When you live in the South Bay, things are tight. It's just a challenge that we're gonna face this year. And for some of you, you're already anticipating it's gonna be a lot more challenging. We have health issues, physical health and mental health. Uh, we either have a new diagnosis or we have an appointment coming up that we're either anticipating or we're dreading it. Some people have medical procedures. 
Or this is the year where you're kind of like, I need to put my mental health first. I need to be sleeping better. I need to be eating better. Um, these things are right in front of us. Change is always an issue. Some of us are changing jobs. Some of us are changing careers. Some of you are retiring this year. Some of you are leaving for college this year. Change is the only constant thing in life. Uh, are you ready for it? And then the last thing, the thing we talk about all the time, is faith. And when I say faith, I don't mean like, do I have confidence, do I have faith or optimism, which is part of it, but for some of us, we're wrestling through our relationship with God, our understanding of who Jesus is. Even, we might have even grown up in a certain uh, environment where we learn certain things about God and the Bible and religion, and we're starting to question those things, or we've been questioning them for a long time. Or you might be one of those people that you've been away from God for a long time, or maybe even just the last three or four years, and you're like, I need to get back into my faith. All of those things are things we're facing this year. The question is, is uh, how's our souls? What would it look like to have a relationship with Jesus that can help us face these challenges? Uh, this question in particular, how can a closer relationship with Jesus help us enter 2024 in the best way? So to answer this question, we're doing this five-week series called right side up. And the idea is that Jesus kind of talked about these upside down teachings in his day. He said things like love your enemy and do good and don't take credit for it. And you can't really live your life until you're willing to give it up. And I think maybe they were upside down teachings because in reality, the people in Jesus's day like us, we were living our lives upside down. And what Jesus is trying to do is get us right side up. And so here's the main idea of what I wanna share with you today. It's a very simple idea, but maybe challenging. We should let Jesus change our lives this year. Now, how are we gonna do this? For the next five weeks, we're gonna look at a section of the Bible that has Jesus's most memorable, most famous teachings. It's popularly called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's located in Matthew chapter five uh, through chapter seven. And Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Now, if you're uh, a student uh, here at uh, Journey of Faith, or you you uh, are in a home with a student at Journey of Faith, our students just went through the whole Sermon on the Mount uh, toward the end of last year. So they're experts, so you can talk to them. They know exactly, and they've been applying it, and they've been doing it, so you can consult with them, because they know what they're talking about. Um, Matthew chapter five, uh, verses, uh, uh, chapter five through chapter seven. Now the Bible translation that we're gonna be looking at this from is called the New Living Translation. That's the one we use here. So if you have a Bible, I wanna encourage you to look up Matthew chapter five through seven, even if you have one with you. Uh, if you have your phone, you can log on and, and just go to your search engine and type in Matthew five NLT and it'll take you to a place that's uh, called uh, Bible Gateway. That'll be like the, probably the first hit on that search engine, great place. If you don't have a physical Bible of your own and you would like one, we will give you a starter Bible today. When you head out today, stop by our connections area, we have a Bible before you. I think having a physical Bible is a really good thing. There's something very 
um, human about having something tactile that you can read and touch. And the reason we uh, encourage you to have a Bible of your own is because in addition to singing together and getting involved in a group with other people and finding ways to serve with each other, at this church, we teach the Bible. And so what we do is each week, we open up the Bible to a part of, of, of the Bible, and then we explain what it means to the original audience it was written to, and then we see what it would mean for us today, and then we try to apply it and encourage us to talk to other people about it. And that's a big part of what we do. So that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna start by reading the first part of Matthew chapter five, these teachings of Jesus, and, and then see how they can help us have our lives changed by Jesus. So let's, let's look right into it. Here's Jesus beginning some of his most important and famous teachings on the spiritual life. It says, one day he saw the crowds gathering. Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. Here's what he taught. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And then the last one, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. We need to let Jesus change our lives this year. Here's a couple of reasons why. The first one, Jesus' description of blessed is just what we need to be this year. The eight ideas, God blesses those, these eight principles that Jesus gave, they are popularly called the Beatitudes. Have you heard that before? The, the Beatitudes of Jesus. Here's the reason they're called that. In Latin, the word beatitudo means blessedness or well-being or fulfilled. When I first became a, a follower of Jesus, someone pointed out these eight teachings of Jesus and they said to me, if you want to be blessed by God, if you want well-being in your life, if you wanna live a fulfilled life you need to be having this kind of attitude, is what they said. It's like these are the eight principles that we should be operating off of. So what I wanna do is I wanna read these eight principles again and just say a little something about it, but here's what I'd like you to do. While I'm reading these, and while I'm talking about it, would you just recognize if one of them stands out to you in particular? It's possible that God might be like, that's what I want you to work on. Or as you hear it, you might be like, oh, I've been thinking about that kind of idea. Or, ooh, that's me. So kind of be listening for which one of them resonates with you in particular. 
Here's the first one. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In Jesus' day, if you were rich, people thought, oh, I'm blessed. And if they were poor, they were like, oh, I guess God's punishing me, or I guess I'm cursed. Jesus is like, no, that's an upside down way of looking at things. To be right side up is when you are poor, when you're in need, that's when you realize the value of having a life with God. You ever been at that place where things were going well and then you kind of put your spiritual life or your soul aside? You don't think about the most important things in life because everything seems to be fine. But then you get a diagnosis or you get fired or you get that fail on that test and suddenly you're like, oh, I need to work on something or oh God, I need you all of a sudden. Do you feel a need for God in your life? Are you sensing that? Maybe that's one of the reasons you're here, because you're like, actually, things were going well before, and then now something hit, and I'm here because I realize there's something missing. Here's another one. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is about those unpleasant emotions that we try to avoid. The sadness, the, the, the loneliness, the, the regret, the guilt. We live in a culture that's often kind of toxically positive. It's just positive all the time. I've officiated a lot of funerals, and I've gone to a lot of funerals. Every funeral I go to, people are like, you know, we shouldn't be sad. It's a celebration of life. Let me tell you something. When I die, I want y'all to be sad. I want you to be like, Lord, it took a good one, you know? Like, like I want, don't you even miss me? I mean, like, like grieve, and that's okay. Having those unpleasant feelings isn't just okay, it's how God designed it. Some people are like, I live life with no regrets. Uh, you should have regrets, okay? We should have regrets, we should have guilt. Now, we shouldn't be wallowing around in them, but there is a space for those unpleasant emotions because it's only through those emotions that we find true comfort, not around them. If you're going around them, you're probably in denial. Are there some unpleasant emotions that you've just been stuffing down or self-medicating for a while that maybe you need to give some space to? Here's another one. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. This, uh, when we hear this popularly, sometimes it says, the meek shall inherit the earth. And that word meek means you have power, but you know how to use it the right way. You don't use your power to abuse people or to control people. Now, power is one of those weird things because sometimes people think, oh, I have no power. Everybody has power. We all have power. In fact, sometimes the person who knows they, has power, they have power and misuses it could be just as dangerous as the person that feels like they have no power because if you don't feel like you have any power, you don't realize how you might be misusing the power you have. Do you understand the power and authority you have, not just in your life, but in your influential relationships, and are you using it responsibly? Jesus also said, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. They will be satisfied. Hunger and thirst for justice is like you see the problems in the world and you just, 
You want something done about it. You want God to fix these things. You want to be an agent of change. That is a good thing. Jesus is like, yes. And one day, through God, wrongs will be righted. Things will be fixed. Now, the opposite of this is kind of that apocalyptic apathy that we have. Well, the world's going to just be destroyed. You know, everything's going to melt. We're all going to be flooded out. There's nothing we can do about it. You know, that kind of negativity where it's like we're powerless over everything. Jesus is like, I want you to have a hunger and thirst for justice. And then Jesus is like, join me. And then we'll work for that together. And then one day Jesus is going to come and turn things around. Don't go seeking justice for yourself in your own ways, because a lot of times that's our fuel for justice isn't a fuel for justice. It's just a way to vent our own anger. Jesus also said, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Last week I was driving on the, on the 110. If you're new to California, uh, we put the word the in front of our freeways. It's just a weird thing that we do. But I was driving on the 110, and this guy weaved in front of me, and I got so upset, I actually shouted out loud, where are the cops? Where are the cops? <laughs> of course, when I cut in front of him, I'm like, oh, I th hope there's no cops around here. Mer See, I want mercy for me, but not for them. Are you like that? That you look at other people, and you're like, this person's got this problem. Now, mine is understandable, of course. So you got to say to yourself, what Jesus is saying here, if you want to receive mercy, you need to give mercy. Are you a merciful person? Do you tend to be overly critical with other people while you let yourself off the hook? You assume the worst in them and believe the best in yourself. Is that one of these that's really resonating with you? Jesus also said, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. In churches and religious communities and spiritual communities, a lot of times it's really easy to focus on our behaviors. Right? I attended church. I prayed. I haven't killed anybody this week. You know, like, like we have these external things. But it's like, where's your heart, though? See, sometimes we can do good things, but we're doing it for the wrong reasons. We're doing it to please ourselves make ourselves feel good. We're doing it because it's gonna make us look good to other people. What's going on in your heart? He says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. This one really got me last year. I read the, the Sermon on the Mount every year in the beginning of the year because it's like a good starter for me to begin the year. And this one, toward the second half of last year, I realized I'm not a peacemaker, I'm a peacekeeper. You know what the difference is? Peacekeeper is let's not talk about any of the problems. Just keep, keep the peace. Don't bring up anything that might upset people. A peacemaker is, hey, we have some problems. Let's find some ways of talking about those and see if we can come to a new solution. Peacekeeping is living in denial and avoidance. Peacemaking is working toward peace. And Jesus says the people that work toward peace are called the children of God. Why are they called the children of God? Because when you're working toward peace, 
you are in the business of the things that God does. Because you know what God does all the time? God's working for peace because he puts up with our nonsense and, and tolerates our problems and helps us move to a place of peace. God's doing that with us all the time. And he's saying, I want you to be like me. And then here's the last one. He says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I used to operate off of this thinking that if I'm doing the right thing, everybody's going to be cool with me. But that's not actually true. Sometimes when you're doing the right thing, people are upset with you. They don't like that. Now, some of you have people that are upset with you, but that's because you're a jerk. So you gotta check that. But sometimes you gotta be able to, like, you do the right thing, and it might be unpopular, and it might be challenging, and Jesus is like, I know. That's what it was like for me. Hang in there. We'll get through this. Here's an action step I have for you. Out of those eight, choose one of the Beatitudes to become a January resolution. Not the whole year, but what's something you're like, I, I, I think I need to work on that. Out of those eight that I read, which is something that stands out to you? And who could you talk to? Maybe you could talk to, hey, here's what stood out to me. What stands out to you? Now, if you make it a January resolution, it's going to take some intentionality. It's going to take some, uh, uh, some purpose. And for some of you, you might find that a little bit of challenging. And if you're feeling like, oh, I just I don't feel as motivated to that as I did before, that's okay. You're not alone because actually a lot of people in the U.S. are going through this. We've been seeing over the last three years a decline in spiritual engagement in the United States, mostly prompted from uh, COVID restrictions and what was happening in the country. We've seen this decline in engagement, not only spiritually, individually, but a decline in church involvement. And the question is, why is this? Now, I was listening to this podcast called the de-churching, uh, the great de-churching, and it talks about who left church, who's coming back, who stayed away, and why. And the theories that you often hear in pop culture about why people have disengaged from church and religion or why they're deconstructing their faith are usually two very popular views. One of those views is that church has become too politically conservative. The far right have hijacked church, so I don't want anything to do with it, I'm tired of hearing about God and the Bible and religion, I don't want anything to do with it. The other group says the exact opposite, that the church has become too politically progressive. It's a woke church, woke Christianity, I don't want anything to do with God or religion or the Bible or things like that. But if we look at the statistics, the actual reason for disengagement spiritually in America is quite boring, and it's this. It's just become inconvenient. We've had disruptions in life, our families changed, we've been traveling, we're involved in sports, and, and my habit of praying or going to church or reading the Bible or thinking about my spiritual life has just been replaced by other habits. What we need as we start the new year is the opposite of this. We need intentionality. We need to discover some new rhythms. We need to say, how on my calendar can I prioritize my soul? Can I monitor and be careful about my consumption of media? Am I 
consuming what will help my soul thrive. Where's my money going? Is my money going to meet just uh, my immediate desires or am I investing in what God wants to do in my life and around the world? And then am I involved in church? Am I finding a community of people who are regularly looking at the teachings of the Bible in order to better themselves, to make them more available to the world around them? And how can I more invest in that? So I want to encourage you to choose one of the Beatitudes. Again, choose one of those Beatitudes, go through it on your own, read it this week, and just say, which one seems to stand out? And then how can I re-engage spiritually, just for the month? That's one reason um, that we should let Jesus change our lives this year. Is because when he says God blesses those, he's talking about us. God wants to bless us. He wants us to experience well-being. He wants us to flourish. And this is one of those ways. Here's one more reason we should let Jesus change our lives this year. Jesus' description of blessed is just what our world needs us to be. See, American Christianity is very individualistic. A lot of times, as Americans, and even here in the South Bay, we're like, oh, I wanna grow in my faith so I can be a better version of myself. And it usually ends there. It's really about self-actualization. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is actually talking about becoming a certain kind of person so that we can become that person for other people. It's God working not just in us, but through us. And it's when we're focused outwardly that we better reflect the love and character of God. That's really what spiritual transformation is about. It's not about our self-actualization. Spiritual transformation is about being connected with the person and character of God. And God is loving and outwardly focused. So I'd love it if you started this year with this action step with Jesus, spend some time with Jesus and create a plan to grow in that beatitude and factor in that 2024 challenge for you. Is it, is it health? Is it, is it well-being? Is it finances? Is it relationships? Is it faith? What is the challenge that when you look out into 2024, you go, oh, it's gonna be a political year. I'm a very political person. I need to figure out which beatitude is gonna help me be the best version of myself for the people in my life. And then how will I do that? Maybe it's spending some time each morning reading that beatitude and praying over it. Maybe it's starting a Bible reading plan. Maybe it's getting involved in one of the groups that we have starting here at our church coming up. Maybe it involves serving on a team and using your power and your authority to serve other people. What would it look like to develop a plan to grow? And for some of you, something that might help is if you were here with us in November of, uh, of last year, we did a survey as a church called the Barna Pulse Survey. And in that survey, we asked each of you to evaluate your life and your spiritual life and the church based on five areas. And here's the five areas. 
well-being, faith, finances, vocation, and relationships. So 678 of you responded with this. We did this together. These are our cumulative results of where we ranked as a church. And we're going to be talking about this over the next few months because we're using this data that we collected together to plan out what we're going to be doing as a church to move us toward more flourishing as a church. But if you did this in November, at the end of the survey, you got a what they called a persona that describes who you are. And it was ranked, you were in one of six categories. Um, those of you that got flourishing, um, it said that you scored relatively high on all of those five areas. Growing, you scored relatively high, but there's still room to grow. Exploring was, you scored moderate to high, but it seemed as if you're still trying to figure out where God is in the front of all of these areas. Trusting was that you scored moderate to high on all of them with the exception of finances. That was one that was a, a unique challenge to you. Unwavering was you scored medium to low on all five with the exception of faith. You're very strong in faith, but struggling with these other areas. And then this last one, enduring, you scored medium to low on almost everything, and probably because you're going through a unique time of struggle right now, or you tend to be very hard on yourself when you do self-evaluation. Now this week, uh, if you don't remember what you got, um, this week, I think in our newsletter at the end of the week, uh, we'll give full descriptions of each six of these, and you can go, well, I'm not sure what I got, but this really resonates with me. And that could be how to help you formulate a plan. This is what we got as a church. This is a pie chart made up of where we rank as a church, which is great to see a lot of flourishing and growing, but probably what we need is more of us in this area who might be struggling, or as we invite people into church, it's like, hey, we would love to help other people get to places of growth and flourishing in their lives. Again, it's not just about us, it's about moving outward. Now, some of you didn't take this, and if you didn't, here's a QR code, you could scan this and take this for yourself. Now, if you took it, don't take it again, you're gonna screw up our stats. Uh, but if, if you didn't take this and you wanna take it, go ahead and scan this, and if you miss it, you can head out over to our uh, connections area in, uh, outside and they can get you the code also. It'll take about eight to 10 minutes to walk through this. And again, what it is is it's a plan to develop, um, it's, a, it's a resource, I mean, to develop a plan to be intentional about your spiritual growth this year. And of course the goal is, with all of this stuff, it's not about doing this and doing this and being busy. It's designed to help us connect with the love of God and the character of God. So, like I said, that action step with Jesus, create this plan to grow spiritually and anticipate the challenges that are ahead. Here's what we talked about today. We should let Jesus change our lives this year. Why? Two reasons. Jesus' descriptions of blessed, God blesses those, that's what we need to be this year. And 
Jesus' description of bless, God blesses those. It's just what our world needs us to be. 2024 is gonna present a lot of challenges. We need to be the kind of blessed, fulfilled people with well-being the way God intends, not just for ourselves but for the world around us. Let's make a resolution. A resolution not just in our own power, not just in our own strength, but let's get right side up this year. I resolve to be the kind of person that God blesses, humble, willing to do what's right, even with the challenges, seeking justice, pure in heart. A person seeking peace. Let's be people that realize our need for God and are willing to dare to venture into those unpleasant emotions that can get us through the challenges rather than around them. Let's make that how we start the new year. Let's close today. Would you all stand with me? We're gonna close in prayer. And if you'll stand over there at Torrance, let me say before we go, uh, if you are new with us, thanks again for being with us. Gonna look forward to next week. We're gonna be getting into some really great stuff, some more of Jesus's teachings on what it means to live right side up. If, uh, if you wanna know more about our church, our connections area is right outside. If there's something going on in your life that you'd like someone to talk to or someone to pray with or have them pray for you, or maybe even something during this message kind of awakens something you want somebody to talk to, uh, right over here at our cross, we have some wonderful volunteers who are really gifted, thoughtful, compassionate people that would love to hear what you're going through and pray for you. Make sure you take advantage of that. And again, join us next week. Maybe invite a friend uh, who isn't normally connected to church but would like to learn some new principles for how we can live in the new year. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for your grace, your love in our lives. Thank you that we can start a new year. And thank you that you have a plan for who you want us to become. And, and that plan is really about connected, getting connected with your love and who you are. Thank you for new beginnings. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a great week. Me indoors in the light.